The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Star Wars 7x7 episode 3043. Today we're going to talk about the fourth and final installment in the Rogue Squadron quadrilogy, the Bacta War with the unabridged audiobook version having come out yesterday and how it may tie into future storytelling thanks to the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So yes, the Andor series is happening today. Episode 9 drops at 3 a.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time in the United States, which is exactly when this episode of the podcast drops. So we're not talking about the Andor series today, but we will talk about it tomorrow. Today, you can enjoy a no-spoiler conversation, at least no spoilers for Andor, about the Back to War, which is the fourth and final novel in the original quadrilogy of X-Wing Rogue Squadron novels by Michael Stackpole. This one particularly feels epic. I mean, it's 14 hours long, so it's definitely a significant time investment. And Mark Thompson does this one, along with the three previous ones that have now been made fully unabridged. Previous releases were abridged editions, so it's really cool that they've decided to go and do this. And I had a conversation a few months back with Nick Martarelli, who's an executive producer with Penguin Random House Audio, to talk about the production of those. So I'll link to that in the blog post for this show's episode at S. W7x7.com and in the show notes as well if you want to go back and check that out and hear more about why they did it and you know the production and all those fun things. Now there are things about Mark's performance that I don't think I necessarily would have caught or thought to pay attention to if not for conversations that I've had with him. He's been on the show three times this year, twice for long form interviews and once from a one question interview at Star Wars Celebration Anaheim. So things like on stealth missions when various members of Rogue Squadron are in the midst of covert operations, how Mark's voice drops to a whisper, comparatively speaking, when he's delivering the narrative as everybody sneaks around. Like, what an interesting touch that is. And then <laughs> the way that his voice kind of gets a little like, uh-huh, when there are scenes involving an Imperial officer and his mistress... There's definitely a sauciness <laughs> to his delivery. And that's one of the awesome things about Mark is how he works the narrative. I mean, it's one thing to perform the characters and the emotional states in which they find themselves, but to actually have the narrative also express that same kind of emotional resonance depending on the scene and what's going on. That's just one of the great things, or one of the many great things that Mark Thompson does with his performance. Something that's surprising about the novel is that it really doesn't involve the New Republic very much at all. So the story generally goes that Rogue Squadron wants to go after Isan Izard, who is the commander of this Super Star Destroyer, the Lusankia, which, surprise, surprise, was actually buried on Coruscant. So, by the way, if you were... <laughs> 
<laughs> looking at the rise of Skywalker and seeing all those Star Destroyers rise up from under the ground and thought to yourself, that's not a thing that's not possible. Well, they did it in the expanded universe with uh, the previous novel, The Krydos Trap, actually. And so the Lusankia, the Super Star Destroyer, goes off and they take over the planet Thyfera, which is where the lion's share of Bacta, Bacta production happens in the galaxy. And the New Republic isn't necessarily going to go after her and try to retake Thyfera. So everybody in Rogue Squadron quits the New Republic and they make it their own personal mission to take Isard down. But it's not just the fact that she's controlling the Bacta supply and that she has three Star Destroyers and a Super Star Destroyer under her control, so it's not just the military and the you know, socioeconomic aspect of things, but there's a lot of personal vendetta stuff involved in this as well, including the fact that Corrin Horn in previous novels, he is our hero in the series, along with Wedge Antilles, of course, but Corrin was presumed dead at the end of the second novel in the series, Wedge's Gamble, but it turned out that he'd been betrayed by a mole in Rogue Squadron, a spy in Rogue Squadron, who was revealed to be a Thyferin working with the Empire. That would be Irisi Delaret, and so yes, there's <laughs> vendettas against Isard for holding Cornhorn hostage and Irisi for betraying him to the Empire. So yeah, definitely <laughs> not just a military situation, but also a very personal investment as well. But here's where things get interesting and where they tie into actual canon storytelling as it stands right now. At the end of the Kratos trap and then throughout the Bacta War, there are you know conversations and internal monologues that Corrin has, conversations that he has are with Luke Skywalker actually, because Corrin finds out about his true lineage. He thought that he was just the son of a corporate security officer and, you know, that guy had a dad, but it turns out that Cornhorn is descended from a line of Jedi. So his real father was a Jedi and was killed in the Clone Wars, and he was adopted by somebody who married his mother. That person was Rostak Horn, that's what that person's name was, and had a kid who was Hal Horn, who was Corn Horn's dad, but Hal was also known as Valen Halcyon. And the reason why that's important is because in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, thank you for sticking with me for this whole thing. In the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, when Obi-Wan is looking at graffiti as he is going through the path, the place where people are being helped to escape from the Empire on Jabim, right? One of the names that's scribbled on the wall is Valen Halcyon. So that was a flag for everybody who has read Rogue Squadron novels to be like, oh, whoa, Corrin Horn's dad has been named in the series. But it goes even deeper than that. So you may remember Haja, who is the con artist played by Kumail Nanjani in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. He is helping a mother and child escape from Dayu. Well, we don't get the mother's name in the series. However, the actress who plays her has said on social media that that character's name is Naichi, pronunciation, N-Y-C-H-E. That is the name of Corrin Horn's mother in the expanded universe and the boy who is in this is named in the credits and is only given his first name which is Corin and I should name the actress who plays Corin's mother that's Marise Alvarez so Corin is probably very likely Corin Horn 
and is important because of the fact that we have the Rogue Squadron movie being worked on. It's in some stage of redevelopment with Patty Jenkins and whoever else is working on this thing. We know it's supposed to be set after the events of the sequel trilogy, so after the rise of Skywalker. The idea that Corrin Horn is kicking around in the Star Wars galaxy has been presented as kicking around, and Corrin actually appeared in three of the six episodes of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. This is a big deal. He eventually went on to train in the Expanded Universe with Luke Skywalker at his new Jedi Academy. Now, Corrin and his mother are headed to Corellia in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. In the Expanded Universe, Corrin is from Corellia, so yeah, kind of lines up a little bit, and it also reminds you of how with the Cassian Andor series, how we thought Cassian was from Fest, but it turns out that that you know, is a little more complicated with the backstory and whatnot, and it wouldn't be a surprise to find out that maybe the backstory is a little bit more complicated with Corrin and his mother as well under the circumstances, you know, them having to sneak off Dayu and you kind of change up their whole identity situation to some degree maybe. But where this all ends up and why I think it's worth paying attention to these Rogue Squadron novels and to the portrayal of Corrin Horn has to do with Grand Admiral Thrawn. <laughs> Drag him into this. So Thrawn, of course, was a very popular character in the Expanded Universe, so popular that they brought him into the new canon with a half dozen novels and in Star Wars Rebels and whatnot. The point of that is, is that the Grand Admiral Thrawn that we meet in the canon, although there may be some, you know, backstory things that are a little bit different from what the Expanded Universe version was, the character is essentially the same. His personality, his intellect, his attitude, the way that he goes about the work that he does, all of that is the same from the Expanded Universe into the new canon. So if we have Corrin Horn, in the new canon, then there's every reason to believe that when we see an adult Corrin Horn in future Star Wars storytelling, he is going to be very similar in personality and intellect and attitude to the Corrin Horn that we meet in the expanded universe novels. And we meet him and learn a lot about him in these first four Rogue Squadron novels. So if you have time on your hands and you're interested in digging into the backstory of a character who may well appear in Star Wars movies down the line, then you might want to check out these Rogue Squadron novels. I've certainly enjoyed going through them. I've been listening to all of these audiobook unabridged narrations as they've come out. And for what it's worth, I'll also say that if you are interested in doing the audiobook narration situation as well, we do have a thing with Audible set up so you can get a free 30-day trial and a free download of an audiobook if you go to audibletrial.com SW7X7. That's audibletrial.com SW7X7. The period for the free membership is 30 days and you can cancel it at any time. You still get to keep the free audiobook if you download it. So yeah, check it out. It's good fun. Again, it's audibletrial.com SW7X7. And that right there is going to do it for this episode of the show. Thank you for joining me on this long and winding journey and for joining me for the episode as always. And may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. S7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited. Other respective trademark and copyright holders may the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.